good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and today I'm speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project and the exhibition coordinator for Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration, which will be on view at the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center in Cincinnati in April. Cool. And I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor and a senior critic at uh, Hypoallergic Online Arts Magazine. And I'm coming to you, as I usually do, from Newburgh, New York, in the Hudson Valley, Hudson River Valley. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and today we are going to talk about body positive. Is that Seth? Did I get that right? Body positivity, and but a particular uh, you wanted to focus on. There was kind of an EG of, of this for right the an artist who I I'm going to let you introduce because I only really knew who she was uh, a couple of days ago when you mentioned it. So okay, cool. Uh, I don't have a lot of biographical information on Lizzo. That's the person we're talking about. I I want to say when you said introduce her, I thought oh I should say she's a twenty something year old um, black uh, woman. Um, Musician, I should, I should say singer. Are they different things? Maybe. Uh, singer, uh, songwriter, performer, who has really sort of risen to prominence in the pop world. Um, her videos, uh, wait, what's it? Is it Truth Hurts? I just looked at it this morning. Has, I think, 237 million views on YouTube. And I think um, there's another one. So a few, a few more than the podcast. Just a, but a, maybe maybe a, a, maybe two thousand million more to the podcast maybe yeah. <laughs> um, and another one. Um, uh, um, I forgot the name of the video, but it's like good truth something. Anyway, I looked at them today, and I picked. Um, well, let me backtrack. I picked her originally because I had had a conversation with my good friend Ayana Evans. Um, this was sometime last year, or maybe more than a year ago, I'm not sure. But we had this kind of argument about it because she said she really loved Lizzo and loved how Lizzo was bringing to the forefront of culture this argument around normalizing fat bodies, like, you know, being taking pride in your body no matter what size you are. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and Yana was arguing that particularly for black women who culturally she will argue, always get picked last for pretty much everything. Um, she, Lizzo is a really important figure for mm -hmm. saying um, you can be proud about being black and being large, being what some people might call overweight. Um, and then I said, well, I actually haven't seen any videos at that point, and I hadn't, um, mm -hmm. but I don't particularly like that kind of music, that style of music. Mm -hmm. This sort of overly produced pop like just doesn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. And she got kind of annoyed, kind of upset with me, because basically she thought I was saying, I was trying to slyly say I don't really like her because of the way she looks, and I, and I mm. tried to make it clear that the way that Lizzo looks really doesn't make any difference to me. And it, and it actually does not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but that needs to kind of get broken down. Um, full disclosure. I'm not attracted, sexually attracted to Lizzo's body type. But that's sort of neither here nor there in terms of, I mm-hmm. think, assessing her worth as a singer, as, a whatever, as an icon, blah, blah, blah. I want to also get in, and I know you're suspicious, Travis. I, I, I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> you're suspicious <laughs> of, um, I imagine, um, this, um, this thing. Well... I don't know what you're suspicious of, but I think you're suspicious. But I'm, what I'm suspicious of is that there's this sort of flip side to diet culture, right? And we're, we were talk, chatting about it before the podcast started. This flip side to makeover culture, which wants to make or the, or the show Swan, which you know, um, Stephen was talking about. There's mm-hmm. a flip side to this movement towards making everyone more photogenic or telegenic. Right. Um, and I think Lizzo in some ways represents the other, the other side of that. And I think that's a very valid place to be. I also think that it has its own limitations and, and issues. Mm. Yeah. I'm Steven. Do you want to, do you want to, Oh, Travis, go right ahead. So I think, I think a couple of things, uh, I, I definitely am suspicious but on on a couple of different levels, but mm-hmm. I would say um, that probably you have high and you know if you want to do think about American culture broadly in high and low cultural terms, mm. meaning how they're accepted amongst in different sort of cohorts and different mm. population corridors, mm-hmm. high culture being, you know, kind of elite culture, mm-hmm. um, meant broadly and, and no, and no criticism implied and low culture being, you know, kind of populist culture. I, I think in high culture, it is really not a handicap to be a, a black woman is not picked last anymore. I think that that has moved significantly. And in fact, is sometimes an assist when establishing a media profile. I think in low culture, that probably still remains to be, you know, in sort of everyday interactions. I would, if I had to guess, I would guess that it is still a handicap in a lot of places, not because, you know, these places are all like super ignorant and whatnot, but just because, uh, you know, culture in those areas moves very slowly and tends to be kind of the, the opposite. So the culture moves in a more conservative way that, you know, it hasn't changed that much since the 60s, 70s, et cetera. There's still a kind of a, uh, there's still a norm that people adhere to. Um, so I, I think you got to, I think those two things should be separated if we're going to talk about it with any precision. Um, I, I think, you know, it's so American. <laughs> like this whole thing is so American. Like, of course, Americans like were way, way, way to one extreme for decades, centuries about like what, a woman should look like, or even what a man should look like. And it was like a straight jacket and like blonde. We were talking about this before the podcast started, you know, there's a particular type, um, you know, blonde, tall, all the Barbie dimensions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just, just these absurd dimensions of Pamela Anderson. Yeah. These playboy bunnies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these extremes that barely Mm -hmm. exist yeah, or, or don't actually even exist in nature. Right. They just like, they're, you know, they're the technicolor blue butterfly as opposed to any actual butterfly. Like it's just not a, 
not a real thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, they, they kind of do, but they exist in nature so rarely that when, like literally, like when you see runway models, and I've seen, and sure. I've heard, like, yeah. they, they look, um, they're so different from the majority of us that they look like, almost like a different species. It's like, how so is, how are your legs so damn long? That makes no <laughs> sense. So there's that, but I mean, sometimes we make them even su- like they're supernaturally beautiful with like Photoshop and right. things like this. For sure. I mean, for sure. Uh, for so, sure. so the, and now of course we can't just like bring it back towards the middle. Like we can't just be like, well, you know, there's a lot of different sizes and shapes and it's all fine. Like now it's gotta be like way on the other end that like your BMI is definitely going to be in some medically dangerous territory. I don't care what color your skin is. Mm-hmm. And this is going to have long-term health consequences and it's none of my fucking business. Right. Like I'm fine with that. Like I don't like whatever you're, mm-hmm. you're, you have to handle your own life. Some people wear their issues on the outside and some people wear them on the inside. I have no, you know, it's fine, but it's, it's so American to go way to the other extreme uh, of acceptance. So anyway, that's my, that's my initial. That's your initial. Okay. <laughs> I was just over here just reading a book. Um, no, so I was thinking about <laughs> this idea. I think the internet connection is pretty bad actually this morning. It, so that's yeah. That's <laughs> but so I thought I thought what Seth said early on about um, he's not sexually attracted to Lizzo um, got at the heart of what I think is really interesting about how we're we're, we're Lizzo wasn't a sexual isn't a sexual. Um, I did thing for Seth, right? So he's not going to date her. He didn't meet her or whatever. So we're conflating what someone does with who they are. So like, I think mm. that if you can sing, aren't you just listening to the music? No, right. Because except you're that, also consuming except, the image of a person, a person you think this person should look like. And I think... What I love about Lizzo is also what I'm scared about with Lizzo. I want her to do whatever she she wants to do. I just think the the more we have more people in the world, the more I'm not really completely on board with what you said, Travis, about we've gone this way. We're not going to bring it back towards the middle. I don't know if that's where I would go with it. I would say that I think that we live in a time and, and this is a stretch. I'm trying to figure out how to pull it into this. We live in a time mm-hmm. where... Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. I walk 10 miles to work. I mean, school every goddamn day in the snow and that, that, that. And so now we live in a culture where people are worried that everyone gets a trophy, <laughs> that there's no competition anymore. And now we're just starting to understand what it means to be marginalized. And that when marginal people decide or marginalized people decide to be center, that throws a lot of things off. So there's a lot of resistance to, I was reading about Lizzo this morning and how she feels about herself versus other people. People feel like, how dare you, not how dare you, but they're like, you know, this fat bitch, blah, 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 all kinds of, you know, name calling or whatever. And I was wondering how much of that would actually reach her if it weren't for the internet or how busy she was on the internet in terms of social media. I only bring that up because I feel like that there's something interesting going on with people declaring who they are and liking themselves for that, but it's always in reference to something else. And the part that worries me about Lizzo is because she can end up becoming a thing, right? And not a person. So she's standing Mm. in for something that I honestly don't think is good for her. 
right? I don't know much of her music at this one song. She's a flautist, by the way, too. She flouts. <laughs> she yes. is um, pretty talented. Yeah. The yeah. music, like like Seth said earlier, some of it doesn't appeal to me, but who gives a fuck? I'm not buying it. <laughs> but I want people to who look like whatever they look like just to be valued. But it's the reference point that always I find troubling. And the makeoverness. So you've got the people who are declaring who they are. And as you mentioned earlier, Travis, around the health issue, that's conflated too, right? Again, unless this is your mother, your sister, or someone you're dating, you know, that's, like you said, that's none of my business. That's over there. But if she is a cultural product, this is the problem I think I have. I just want your music or your acting or your literature. I don't want you. I have no right to you. But conflating those things make us makes us think we have more agency over someone else's body. And honestly, I just rather I just rather see a range of bodies. I would, because I think that when I was younger, I thought everyone was beautiful or had some beauty to them, and I was totally, completely demolished when I was in high school, being told who was pretty, who was ugly, who had a big nose, who had a big head, who had no hair. This and it yeah. was just so. Not the words not violent, but it was so, and, and it's not traumatic. Well, there's a trauma to it because I was surrendering my own vision to this artificial idea of beauty. But it was really rough. It was really uh, rough. Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, I was going to uh, add to two things that you said or quibble with one and add to, to the second. One is I, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like it's new for people to understand the margins of society. I don't think it's a new thing to center uh, marginal identities. I mean, the Jeffersons is 50 um, years old. Uh, well, you know, that's Richard relatively new. No, but that's really relatively new. It's still relatively new. I'd say the, I'd say the, I'd say that fat at well, one as point. As an archivist, you, might, as an archivist you might feel that way. I get that. Right. But fat at one point meant wealth because you could eat. Do you know, at the turn of the 20th century, there were ads in magazines for folks who were looking to gain weight, <laughs> right? How did it switch? How did it change? Yeah. No, no. Did we jump? Because, no, that makes sense to me. But I thought you you said people are getting used to, are just getting used to, like, centering marginalized communities. And I, I think feel like not that's not. Some people, I think that people who have been marginalized are starting to we're do that about- more. And I still feel like the time frame is still, I agree with you. Somewhat, because I feel like it's the last. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, no, no. You, it's you. Okay, I get it. So when you said when you say recently, you mean like in the last hundred years or so? Absolutely. And I was thinking in the last. Absolutely. No, no. It didn't happen yesterday. Yeah. And also, I think that social media has accelerated it. You know, in terms of access. Yeah, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. that. Okay, so that that makes perfect sense. The, The 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 second one is, um, so. Definitely agree that don't have a right to like her, her, you know, uh, Lizzo or you know, Anybody. The, the person behind the the pop personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but it runs both ways then because it's not just that we can we can say well we really shouldn't be critical of her body. We also then shouldn't be celebrating her body, like because either way we're talking about things that are meant to be emulated or rejected in but isn't, mass. Isn't there something so, in the middle of that, Travis, rather than rejection and acceptance? Isn't it just let be? 
Isn't isn't that well? The space? That's, that's yeah, the, I, I did. I have I have something to say here. Um, I look when I was looking up Lizzo uh, to talk about her today. Um, one of the things that she's seen as representing is this body positivity movement. But she's actually taken a body positivity movement to task for saying that it's actually become too commercialized and it's been taken over by people who basically. Um, uh, aren't the, and I'm quoting here, girls with back fat, girls with bellies that hang, la la la. Um, she, she says, she, she said, and, and you can find this in several um, places, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, People, la la la, mm-hmm. USA Today, that, uh, she's now more associated with this body neutrality movement. Um, which, which is about not, it's sort of what you're talking, we're both talking about, not celebrating, not denigrating, just recognizing that you have a body and being in it is yeah. useful to you. And so you were going to take care of it in order for it to do the things that you needed to do, but you are not sort of taking a, a moral or, um, even, I guess, emotional position vis-a-vis, um, it's <laughs> worth or it's value or it's beauty. Or capitalist, um, or capitalist position in terms of being able to sell people but, something about it, either to do something about well, it or to celebrate it or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, that's there's already that's, a there's already a body neutrality T-shirt, Stephen. Forget it. No, it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure. No, I'm sure there is. Absolutely. No, please. We've already. Sure we've already. We got you covered. But, Capitalism. <laughs> we got but, you covered. <laughs> but let me. But let me say this about her, like, which is something that I actually really like about Lizzo. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think she's actually true to her words. In 2020, she lost 50 pounds, and she was on various social media sites show, showing, mm-hmm. and, and you know, athleisure gear, exercising, la la, showing herself off. You know, lost 50 pounds, and then in 2022, she gained back some weight, and she celebrated the weight gain very publicly in 2020 okay. in this year. Hmm. So uh, that, hmm. you know, I, I, I really appreciate that because it feels like she's actually doing what she says she will do. And she's, and she's where she says she's at. Okay. I do want to say that push back on something that you said, Stephen, though, because I don't think I'm conflating um, my sense of her as a, oh no, my perception of her as a singer with my perception of her as like a, us someone who I should be or should be attracted to (laughs) is that she presents herself in the videos in that way like the songs um let me go back and say that the songs were the ones I watched were actually truth hurts and -hmm. good as hell and in but well less so in good as hell but in truth hurts she's she's wearing lingerie and she's um she's the images I found of her were certainly meant to be like provocative right I right mean, they're, they're okay. meant to be ex- which is fine <laughs> right but uh, but that that then puts me in a position as a heterosexual male to say okay is this is this is this, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> is this is this <laughs> male lesbian that's funny is this <laughs> working on me like is is it's this like i'm being asked to basically yes Rise to the occasion. Consume. Am I doing so? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm and when I see Lizzo, I just think, no, that doesn't do it for me. No, okay. thank you. Um and, and that's fine, because I can just listen to her music or I can just pay attention to her as this icon for this sort of um movement towards like just a kind of body acceptance, which I can appreciate. Right. So when I say yeah, that sounds exactly right. I'm, oh, Stephen, just very briefly is 
just P.S. No, 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 go ahead. P.S. I love you, Seth. And <laughs> I think that even being put being put in a position to to be a consumer or to, your attention mm-hmm. is like, you know, do you find this sexy? And you go, no, I don't find this sexy. I feel mm-hmm. like you're you've thought about it in a way that a lot of folks don't think about it, because if she's just mm-hmm. presenting herself as a sexual person or as a sexual mm-hmm. being or. Yeah, because I'm thinking about like I've been watching and I have I'm giving a talk about Vanity Six pretty soon, like in the latter part of the year. And I was thinking about how mm. Prince dressed these women up. Vanity Six was a group that mm. Prince is an offshoot of Prince. It was a girl group that he produced in 1982, mm-hmm. I believe. And the song is called Nasty Girl. Mm-hmm. And they're in their laundry they're in lingerie, right? So they basically have mm-hmm. their clothes on. Mm-hmm. And for the time it was really <laughs> risque and so forth. And everyone was like, but they can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, Yikes. well, that wasn't the point. The point was that they, right. they were this image. And so I'm trying to wrap this all around with the whole Lizzo thing was that they were to be consumed. But that fantasy part of the whole thing is, God, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Abort, abort, abort. So I'll come back to this because <laughs> I need okay. to think about it more. <laughs> I know what it is, but it's just not revealing itself to me. It's this. Go ahead. It's Sorry. cool. It's coming. It's cool. It's coming. But I really uh, like the part of the conversation before the podcast where we were talking about um, makeover uh, 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 shows, mm-hmm. and and so there's this movement, right? This is this is sort of the marginalized to the center, marginalized. Um, out, out, you know, center out to the margins. This movement in American culture, and you're right, Travis. I think it's very American. U.S. American to have this diet, you know, when I was a kid in the 80s, like diet culture was huge in the States, right? Like it was oh, like yeah. Jane Fonda, you know, jazzercise, mm-hmm. like boot camp, mm-hmm. like get in shape. Like everybody was like, are you eating right? Did you get your kale smoothie? Did you, you know, <laughs> um, really about sort of, and, and then the body modification movement started to, you know, um, work itself out in the, in the fringes of mm-hmm. the punk movement. Mm-hmm. People were talking about like, you know, changing themselves over and mo- modifying their bodies in particular ways. And then there was this whole makeover thing, you know, where you, where queer eye, like, you know, here's the Whoa. dumpy, like, you know, uh, um, uh, guy. Yeah, right, right. Father of two. And it's like, how can we make him like be his truest self, right? Fabulous. His, right, yeah, right. How can we make him fabulous? Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's dress him, let's have him eat, let's have him exercise, and let's talk to him. So why are you a, a dumpy father of two? <laughs> like, why are we watching this? This is some dumb shit. I, there's, a, there's a comedian named Tom Papa who goes, he goes, you're doing fine. He goes, yeah, you've gained a little weight. Yeah, you look a little worse. And you're going to look terrible tomorrow. We still love you. <laughs> but he goes, right. the idea, he goes, look at you in the front row. It took some effort to get to this, right? You're never going to look like this again. It's all down here from here. And I love this idea about him like sharing this. This is what most people are. You, you're not an Olympic athlete. You're not. Mm-hmm. The ends. You're not going to have that body. Unless you're just lucky. (laughs) But I think those shows, the queer eye for the um, straight guy was a double whammy in that you got five gay guys on television telling straight, generally straight people what to do. (laughs) Which is the dumbest thing ever. It's like, oh, terrible gay culture. Now it's on terrible heterosexual culture. Got it. It was just terrible to me. I hate that show. And I hate the remakes too. And everybody who thinks, everyone who's ever asked me, did I watch that show or RuPaul because I'm gay? 
I want to say fuck off, but I just go, do you watch all heterosexual shows? This is the dumbest thing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Do you get totally? That? I mean, do people actually do that? Is that a thing? Really? I would say that well-meaning heterosexual people who find out that I'm gay well-meaning. will go, click. So RuPaul, right? <laughs> and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's like gay and black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I go, oh, you're trying. I get it. If you had gotten Steven in 1980, you would have gotten a rude response. But now I'm just kind of like, uh, oh, my God. We're trying to, we're trying to reach oh my God. culture. I get it. You know, so, but yeah, it happens from the time. It's always shocking because it doesn't I mean, happen regularly. It happens enough for me to go again. <laughs> you know, so anyway. Really? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. I mean, I want to be, I want to try and be a little bit more generous with, with your experience, what you've, if, I, if I can take that for a second, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is to say, you know, like people just kind of reach for the handholds that they have available to them right. in culture. And, and mm-hmm. as ham fisted and silly and clearly off the mark as that is to bond with you over that. Um, and that's what I mean. I try and bond with you over that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, you're reaching, you're reaching for a tool. You accidentally pick up a hammer. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it, it kind of goes in that real, way. Mm-hmm. In that way. I'm sorry. No, no. F- go ahead. What were we going to say? We're going to say very briefly. I was no, no, gonna no, say go that. I think it's really being patient and generous with everyone. is such a good thing, no matter who, the interaction because people are trying to connect with you. And so I try to take it the best part of what they're offering, right? The other stuff is just stuff I can talk about on a podcast with you guys and laugh, you know, but people are trying to connect with you. But to get back to the queer, to straight guy and all these makeover shows, they don't, they're just terrible. I think that we've ruined our mind. Maybe there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Why are you on this show? They're in your honey boo boo. I didn't even understand what a honey boo boo was. <laughs> Let me explain what yeah, a honey boo boo is. I, I, I actually think it was a way. It was a way to laugh at people who are rednecks I from the south. Like I think it was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. about. It's a, very, that. it's a mean show. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. With that. It's very yeah, mean, yeah. and uh, so and, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so but but, but I Steven, will say that. So go ahead, Travis. Oh no, I was going to say you know the moderate reasonable convivial middle is boring. Like, it is. It, like th- there's, I mean, there's a reason, you know, we, n- no matter how long we did the podcast, no matter how popular either one of us got, we would never have a huge podcast following because we're not yelling at each other. We're not making fun of other people. We're not um, marginalizing or denigrating or, right. you know, simplifying people on the other side of an issue we're not talking so with that's jordan just peterson less entertaining right. it's just less entertaining it just right. is you know right. so um in that way like you know the the queer eye thing i told i i'm i am 100 percent on your side of like you know gay people do other things besides dress one another right like i'm <laughs> like i i'm all on that side of it i get that but at the same time like the the domain of popular discourse is slightly expanded by having that show. Mm. You know, like oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, no, definitely. it's a touchstone. 
That's why you um, can't really yell, so anyway, yell it out you, in the crowded you, mall by saying, I hate queer for the straight guy. You can't say that, right? Even as a gay person, you're like going, <laughs> right, oh, right. this is definitely groundbreaking. I'm like, it can be all these things. It could be fucking annoying <laughs> as well. It could also be, you know, handmaidens to the devil, <laughs> making people do stupid yeah. makeovers. <laughs> so it could be all of these things. <laughs> yes, it could be new. Well, well, you had mentioned the show The Swan earlier, Stephen. What, what, what is mm-hmm. The Swan mm-hmm. about? Ladies and gentlemen, you have not seen this one just stop listening to the podcast just go to youtube and and google it on youtube because it's really in search for because what it is it's it's a makeover show where um usually a middle-aged woman who may not be cindy crawford or naomi campbell goes on to a show and she might be suffering from depression she might be overweight she might be um a plain jane and so the idea is ugly duckling to swan. And so she goes through um, a series okay. of things such as makeup, weight loss. Um, and then they all come out looking like blonde women. They all have blonde hair <laughs> and they all walk out in <laughs> shoes that are uncomfortable. <laughs> I love my favorite ones are when the women walk out in shoes like they're walking out in combat boots. And like, yeah. And someone's got, no, no, you have to be. You're a woman now. And it's like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh and I've heard no. women say, I've heard women say on different shows at different times that the period in which they were being catcalled and, you know, had to put up all the makeup, they became mothers or became wives or they did something. They were mm-hmm. like, they're just exhausted with all the work around what a woman should mm-hmm. look like. And they were just mm-hmm. like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. but then I think of the shows, like you said, I don't know. I have nothing else to say about it, but watch the swan. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I mean, ironically, um, but I like the, to do it. Yeah. So the, I think part of what, why we got on that topic before the podcast and then leading into this one is something that I had, that I thought you sort of touched on Stefan bringing up the topic, you know, body positivity and kind of you touched on in the anecdote at the beginning mm. Um, although in a very soft way, not in not as certainly not in its most egregious forms, but is sort of the domain of acceptable conversation mm. is incredibly constrained mm. around most, if not all, of these issues. Mm. So, if you were to, in a public forum, mm. with a certain with a pretty large group of people to criticize or to even gently like suggest mm. that maybe there's something wrong with doing anything but celebrating, you know, kind of body positivity or something like that. And again, we're not laying out a position that there is, but if you were to do that, mm. you would you'd be driven out of town with pitchforks. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and and so that that sensitivity mm. around that sort of zealotry mm. around an issue like this mm. kind of gins up, raises the temperature around all of it and it enforces it even more to the extremes. Like if you can't ever talk about things in a back and forth way, all you're left are with the caricatures, right. like all around. Right. Um, no, so anyway, so if you, I, and that's just kind of what I had thought about when you, you know, when you were kind of raising the anecdote. Yeah, one of the things I've started to do kind of unconsciously and now more consciously in the last month or so is to take my own temperature in terms of my anxiety. There are times, there are days when there's stuff that I have due or I'm overrun by other, by responsibilities that, um, and I'm trying to, that, that feel 
unwieldy. Like, like, like I'm, like I, like I'm, there are some days when I feel like I can't quite catch up and I stop myself and I say, okay, so what do I actually have to do? What is making me feel anxious? And I try to deal with that thing, right? So maybe it's Mm -hmm. a conversation I need to have with my boss or maybe it's, um, a scheduling thing I need to fix, but I try to sort of be aware of my own anxiety. And one of the things that I realized in talking about this topic was that I definitely have anxiety precisely because of what you just pointed out, Travis, that I'm sort of to an extent, this is an, this is an exaggeration, but to an extent, I'm not allowed to be nuanced in my view about Lizzo. Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to just, Celebrate her and say, yes, she's great. Look at what she's doing. the pom-poms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but exactly. not allowed by who, and, and, I mean, Seth, not allowed by who? Yeah, good question. Certainly not present company, but I feel like mm-hmm. if, well, let me think about this. If, if I were at the office, but this is slightly skewed because at the office, my coworkers, um, there are other people who work at other times in the office, but generally when I'm there on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I work with Lakshmi and with Harag. And they're both actually very thoughtful people. So if we had a conversation about Lizzo, I could say what I'm saying now on the podcast and they would, they would both be like, they might push back on certain things, I'm not sure, but they would both be completely willing to engage with me. Mm. I feel like... In that conversation with Ayana, that she wasn't at all willing to to engage with me, like uh, uh, just not not at all ready to hear that. And maybe it was just something she was going through in that moment. So maybe Ayana now would be totally open to having a conversation around Lizzo, um, in which I was a bit critical of her. Um, but I feel like if there was like an art opening, or if there was a um, a, a performance somewhere. And then the subject came up and I said something like, well, not really crazy about the way that she's become this sort of commercial entity. And I think there's a lot of confusion between her as a human being and her as an icon and so la la la. People, people would definitely start to back away slowly, you know. I hear that. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's, I, I think that's. Fair. And I think I, I understand the point of, or I think I understand the point of your question, Stephen. And and you do, you often will make that, you'll remind us of that, that, you know, we're talking, you know, who is the they that we're, you know, we're talking about when we're making kind of right. maybe broader generalizations about the community, which I think is fair. Absolutely. But at the same time, I do think that, you know, the, the temperature the environment right now in American popular culture is something like being in a low conflict war zone and where you're having a conversation right at that moment might be okay. But at any moment, a, a marauding pack of zealots is ready to descend upon you and tear you apart if they catch wind of you saying something that is outside of a very narrow band of acceptable opinions at that moment. Whatever the taste and fashion is at that exact moment, Mm -hmm. the rhetoric at that exact moment, they are ready to, to just rip you limb from limb. And that is, that creates a sense of low level anxiety Mm. for everyone 
everywhere all the time. Mm. Of course, it's true that like you're constantly calibrating like, ah, is this, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Mm. You have to like, you know, what they, they what they say in, in gun culture, watch your six. Like you've got to be, you know, your head has mm. to be on a swivel. These mm. are the things they say, you know, head on a swivel, watch your six, meaning watch your back. Mm. And so that is definitely like, to me, that is this moment. Like there, there are, there is kind of a free roaming aggression that is ready to set upon nearly anyone that catches the eye of, of an interested group of people or interested party. Um, and it does tear people. I mean, it's coming for Joe Rogan right now, who Joe Rogan is about as left as they come. Like I know that I know that that uh, is not I about that. that. No, no, no. Uh, so, uh. Yeah, uh, I, don't, so I don't agree with that. What what, what exactly is right wing about Joe Rogan? I don't want to get into Joe Rogan. I want to stay with something else here around this idea of who's the. No, audience. no, no. But you, but you challenge. No, no, no. no I, I challenge don't you. Talk about Joe Rogan. I just don't feel like talking about Joe Rogan. I just don't think he's that interesting. <laughs> but I will say. I mean, I can issue something. No, but, without- so, but then that's not your response. No. So, but even so, even there, you both got captured by the free roaming aggression just at that moment. Like, how many? Like, I, to to be clear, I, I am not. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Like, I don't really. You know, he's not like. My, I don't have that much time to give anyone to listen to that long of a podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you stake out this guy's political opinions and who he's had on his show over the years, to to simplify Joe Rogan as being like a right-wing provocateur. That's not what I, I didn't said. Say we said, oh, I, yeah, yeah. here's oh, what, I, I, I won't said, speak for Seth, I'll I said simply he say is, I said he is on the left. Yeah, so, you said oh, he's on ahead. the left. I said that Joe Rogan is on the left. Dude, is a but I didn't say come. that he was on the right and, rab, you know, farthing at the mouth. I simply said I didn't find him all that lefting. I don't find him. I think that he can be a variety of things, but I didn't reduce him to anything. I just went, eh, that's all. I don't consider him a lefty. So, so what is, so what would you not consider lefty about him? I prefer that we go back to this body image thing because Joe Rogan <laughs> is a morass. <laughs> okay, I want to pull that apart and kind of like have a more thoughtful, engaged response to you. My gut says, and I know maybe a little bit more about him than you do because I do follow. I used to listen to him, and I also follow some of the things he said, and not out of context, not just oh. like quick cuts of him okay. saying "nigger," right? Which is a current thing right now, by the way, um, and the Spotify thing. So, no, I have a little bit more, maybe more than you, but who knows? But I definitely don't find him lefty. I find him opportunistic. He's an entertainer. That's like, that's literally what all of these that people doesn't are give him, in the public space. That, but that, so we're just talking about calling, excuse me, my cat wants to play with me and it keeps on jumping on my back. And I'm like, Usually, sleep. my cat usually <laughs> sleeps about this time. Amsterdam Thelonious uh, for those uninitiated. So, 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 Travis, can we do this? Can we put a pin in the Joe Rogan thing? Come back to that another sure, podcast and just and That'd just get awesome. back sure. to this body image. Yeah, yeah. No, I have oh. no problem with. It. I don't. It's not about Joe Rogan. It's that it's it's like even like let's so let's let's not talk about Joe Rogan. Let's bracket that exchange that just happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attribute any particular thought to either one of you, mm. but mm. you both had a bodily reaction mm. to a statement that Joe Rogan is as lefty as, as they come. 
Now, what's being done in that moment mm-hmm. is that, let's say I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but you have both decided that there is an acceptable domain for being a lefty. And then there are, that there are an ex- there's an acceptable domain of, of rhetorics and opinions that put people on one side of the aisle when it comes to lefty is a shorthand for, for like sort of left-wing political preferences. So, right. I mean, that when I say lefty, that's generally what it means. It's, right. it's a, it's a shorthand for, you know, uh, healthcare, legalized marijuana, you know, uh, uh, civil liberties, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's traditionally what a lefty has meant. But the reaction that you both had to that was was a visceral rejection of being able to put Joe Rogan in that category because of whatever. Maybe his use of the N-word, maybe his, his opportunism in, in, in entertainment. But, but these, the, these things do not necessarily disqualify anyone from being a lefty. Like, uh, uh, that's not what that... That's not what your political positionality has to mean. It can be ugly and <clears throat> and impure, right? So, I mean, sort of to get back to that aspect of it. So my larger point is that there's a narrowing of acceptable opinions about any particular set of issues. And this is this applies in this situation with your conversation, Seth, and your description of what you your your level of anxiety like you know that there's you know that something um I, i'm trying to say i'm trying to throw too many analogies in at once um you know as an animal when you are predator and when you are prey mm. and you know mm. at this moment that anyone is potential prey mm. in this civil environment in this in this symbolic <laughs> cultural system and and so th- that would that would be it, Stephen looks skeptical. So I, 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 that was a long bit. So I'll, I'll no, the only skepticism I have, and you mentioned it earlier, and it, it set off the hackles on the back of my neck, which is this idea of I don't I need to watch what I say. It really depends on who you are in this culture, and it always has been. Mm. It's sure, always been a matter of code switching. It's always been a matter of do I say I think that Billy D. Williams is a handsome man? Will everyone think that I'm gay? I want to keep this quiet. It's the workplace. So I feel like we're kind of, I feel like the heightening of it maybe might be more prevalent now because I feel like we've our, the attention economy is higher in terms of how what we're viewing and what we're discussing. Like I don't feel that anxiety that you feel, Seth. What I feel like is okay, how much of this do I want to share here? Because I Mm. feel like, okay, so Mm. I do archives, I do editing, I do other kinds of public, not not public things, but things that I do with groups of people in different communities. And so my politics are this, but they're also politics not with hard brackets, they're soft brackets, because they could be changed, they could be effusive, not effusive, but they could be um, larger or more conservative, more progressive, depending on what it is we're talking about. The reason why I bring that up is that is because I don't the anxiety that I'm trying to imagine you feeling, Seth, around watching yourself is just managing a public, um, a public person, right? Public persona, just, yeah. Right, a public persona. I think you, Stephen. I feel like honestly, I feel I'm normally with you on stuff like this, but. I feel like that's a little bit naive, honestly. I really do. I, I don't feel think like it's that. I that's don't your think experience, it's that mild. but that's not my experience. That's all. I apologize. <laughs> no, I know, but we've watched. 
No, no. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't take offense at that. I understand oh, what no. you're saying. Right. I just, and I don't mean it. And I don't, I know naive can be loaded. I don't mean it in that way. I, I, I mean it in the sense that I, I think the stakes in the arenas that we're, that we're nominally sort of talking about, as in like being someone who produces culture are just higher than you're characterizing them as. I mean, people do get, careers do get canceled. They do. Even even successful people get yeah. like tossed from the public square. And for these people, that's sometimes I feel like huge people, and consequential. It's huge and consequential, but I think that we really need to break down this cancel thing like in a whole episode. Because I don't know anyone other than people who probably should have been canceled or should have been arrested and put in jail. Aziz Ansari. He's still working. Aziz Ansari. He's still working. He's still working. <laughs> yeah, behind the camera. He's still <laughs> not, doing stand-up. Not in front of the camera. I won't say that it doesn't have an effect. I'm saying that I think that at times, that was a really good show when we talked about the misunderstandings that could happen in relationships. Absolutely, it was a great show. For sure. That was. Do I think, and it's it's hard to say whether or not he'd be popular today or not if that didn't happen. Like I don't know what someone's missing out on on potential income or or um or access or popularity. I don't know about that. But what I what I do know is that it seems like everybody who's been quote unquote canceled is still working, doing something. And I don't want to come off cold, but I just feel like. <sighs> No, I want to, I just, hear you. And, just, I just feel like, like I said yeah, earlier, I, this notion of, of stepping lightly on a minefield, there might be more minds, but there were always minds for a bunch of people all the time. So now everyone else has to watch what they have with. to say. Of course that's true. <laughs> so th that's exhausting See, to me. This you is, know? can I, can I jump? Sure. No, can I, Seriously. can I jump mm -hmm. in? This, so this is where I a hundred percent agree with you. And this is where I sort of feel like the argument comes from a little bit. Like, of course, you're absolutely right that there is the chances that in your life as a gay black man, you have had to deal with this is zero. It's just zero. Of course, you've had to deal with this in a variety of professional and interpersonal settings since you were a boy. Absolutely mm. true. And that is true for millions of other people. And it's fucking wrong. And it was always wrong. But elevating wrong to a common practice doesn't make it okay. No, you're I just, correct. Like, absolutely. I, yeah, I want to I mean, I I jump in here for a second. Though. I just realized something. Um, and I think the back and forth that we've just been having has been really good. Um, me too. Yeah. But, but I want to, I want to, I want to, I had this moment of revelation when, when Stephen was talking. And this comes out of this notion of pinpointing what I mean when I say they. And then, and Travis, you expanded that to talk about a culture. Right. Like mm -hmm. being in basically being in a place where the temperature all around is rising. Right. Um, mm -hmm. What I came come to realize is that part of my anxiety is not about it is what well, is related to like having a public persona and, mm -hmm. and being worried about. Not I, I, I wouldn't use the word managing it. Mm -hmm. Not I won't use the word cancel, but worrying about certain consequences to to saying things um, um, as that public persona. Uh -huh. What I realized is that I'm anxious because I equate being able to say whatever I want in that public way with freedom. 
And it feels like my freedom oh, in, in the moment is being curtailed and I'm not sure mm-hmm. sort of where the attack is coming from, oh. but I feel like my freedom is in some ways on the threat. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that Stephen yeah. feels that he's always sort of like, well, do I? how much access do I want these people around me right now to have to me? Like how much like it's like his freedom isn't on the line. Like that's not what sets risk. He's because he's already calibrating. Well, how much energy do I want to give to this? Who do I want to share? How intimate do I want to be? Like it's 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 a different set of calculations. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a really yeah. Thank you, thank you for yeah, that. That Absolutely. sounds like a good yeah. Because we're talking if we're talking about uh, freedom, we've never really had freedom to say what you want to say because we're exactly. always. We're always measuring the distance between this thing and that thing for a variety of reasons. You know, but work, I think the way I attraction. Do, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I don't want to talk speak for you. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I interrupted you. Go ahead, Stephen. Um, what did I say? Uh, so I feel like work. when it comes to <laughs> the idea of freedom, mm. it's mm. it's always measured by what we think we can't do. So mm-hmm. it's always measured mm-hmm. up against like if you're in the office and you feel like, okay, my job is on the line if I say this. Right. And that means I will lose right. this, this, and this. So right. my artificial place of comfort is that I'm, and it's it's definitely a fantasy in my head that I'm managing that. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll say mm-hmm. it this way. Mm-hmm. There have been times when I've, um, very briefly, um, God, I don't have time for this antidote. I'll say that I found a way to say what I needed to say, even if it were a letter, even if it were me going, well, you know, around the office they're saying, you know, I have to find some way to say it. And then also, if it's not to directly to that person, because Carla reminded me, my best friend Carla reminded me when I was a, mm. a teenager, I didn't take shit from anybody. I was a mean ass motherfucker. You did not want to know me in my mm-hmm. 20s because I already wrote you a letter mm-hmm. telling you to shut up or that I was in your face. And I was even like an <laughs> aggressive person, but I was so insecure and so full of anxiety that if anything that felt like a slight, I was going to get you straight. So you would never even approach me, you know. Mm-hmm. And Carla was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. <laughs> and I, we were talking about self-esteem. And I was like, I don't know if that was self-esteem. I felt like it was at times preemptively striking. <laughs> But also mm-hmm. me just going, mm-hmm. this is my space. Don't come in here. Mm-hmm. Don't come in here. I'm I'm working. Don't come in here. So, so sorry. Yeah, please bring me thing, back to yeah, where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually no. It's 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 relevant to what you were just saying. And I thought, uh, Steph, I thought your your characterization was spot on. I, I would say the one thing I would add is that the the free component of the speech that you are engaged in as your life's work, mm-hmm. this is your activity, mm-hmm. yeah. requires an unrestrained uh, variable. Like it, it, it requires a lack of restraint to be a live and vital activity in a culture. Mm-hmm. And if it's constrained from the jump, mm-hmm. like from jump, if you have to constrain what you are doing, mm-hmm. what you are doing is... Um, is less useful to the people around you, I think. But to come, but but to 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 come back to what Stephen was going to say, and then I'll let you jump in, Stephen. I, what you just said is kind of was along with how I was trying to read it earlier, which is that you've personally, like, 
you've navigated these skirmishes your whole life. Like this is not new to you. Like needing to figure out what to calibrate to manage a situation or to cut someone down or to to kind of establish yourself or, you know, create some security for yourself is, you know, something you've been doing for 40 plus years. And so when you see people, um, this is my, you know, this is my little interpretation of the of mm-hmm. the vignette we've just had. Mm-hmm. When you see people crying and whining and complaining about having to do that very thing, it kind of trips you're like, eh, like sack up. Like this is just what it is. You and gotta I like, want, you know. And I don't want to be the suck up guy because what I had was a version of my head. I'm sitting in. The, but is that am I right? Am I reading that correctly? So here's where you're reading it right. I feel like I'll say it like this: I'm in a house. The house is on fire. Someone's running through the house going, the house is on fire, but the house has been on fire for 40, 50 years. <laughs> and I go, so uh-huh. now you have to That's be responsible I mean. yes. for what you're saying in a way uh-huh. that I yeah. always yeah, had yeah, to do yeah. that. The way that right. women have to have had mm-hmm. to do that. The way that even right. certain white men have had to do it. You know, it's all very, right. these right. are the prices right. I think we pay in a society, right? right? What I what I'm find particularly intriguing about Seth is that he is an art critic whose work, I agree with you, uh, Seth, that... I'm um, oh, sorry. I mean, Travis, about this idea, your work depends on your eye, your eye, and your and your sensibility. So if you can't be honest there, like that's striking. That's a striking thing. And and so how does your social mm-hmm. life impact that? Because you've, yes, you've definitely navigated these skirmishes before, where someone disagreed with you, or you wrote something that somebody didn't like. And I always felt like, yeah, that's pretty dope because you get to be present in your work in a way that maybe a lot of other people don't, you know? And it mm. doesn't mean that there's mm. any less anxiety, obviously. But um mm. but I always felt like mm. the the <laughs> the the um the affirmative mm-hmm is the thing I feel like you would give to someone you might disagree with, but then go, <laughs> Don't really want to get into this here at this art gallery <laughs> about this piece of shit art. <laughs> <laughs> that I find repulsive and it's taking up space that where another artist gets such and such, I feel like, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, so wanna- I, I should, I should, I, I wish, I wish I could look up this thread on Facebook. Um, mm. This is not even something I wrote as a like fleshed out review. I just said this on Facebook. It was an, a relatively offhand comment uh, about mm. Jasper Johns. I said, I went to see Jasper Johns at the Whitney Museum. And I just think he's a mediocre artist. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a flood, <laughs> a flood of people. Like, um, yeah, you know, thanks for saying that. I've been thinking that for such a long time. It's like, we conceptualists, la, 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 la. And then, of course, other people like, well, what do you mean? What, what, what are you saying? And one guy who actually lives um, pretty close to me, Matthew Lusk, I think his name is, says something like, um, there's some back and forth around me calling name, him saying that I was name calling and then not backing it up with an argument. I was like, um, eventually we got to the place where I was like, yeah, but Matthew, I'm not at work. Like, this isn't like, I'm just blowing off steam. This is where I come to have fun. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, like at that point, he, at that point, he kind of got it and backed off. But okay. there was a flood of messages from people, both pro and con, and and some really thoughtful, some saying, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see why you would say that because he, Jasper, and there were some people very co- conversant with that, with the history of his making, of his practice. Mm-hmm. And they said some really insightful things. And someone, um, he's an, um, an older generation, you know, I think you know who this is, um, 
um, Stephen, Sir Rodney Sir, even yep. mm-hmm. um, chimed in. Um, yeah, published older performance artist, um, writer, um, big in New York, big in the New York art scene, downtown New York art scene in like the seventies and eighties. He chimed in and he was like, oh, I heard about this conversation that was going on. And I have to say, like, none of this is, none of the, what's being said here is any, is impressive to me. And I was like, <laughs> like, what? Like, what? Well, I've arrived. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. I, that, thank you. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> anyway, I responded to him, but it's, it's like, there's a way in which my anxiety is completely justified. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. there is a reason. Like, like It is like being a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Like, mm-hmm. there really is, there are consequences to me saying shit offhand, offhand about, like, someone not being as good as you thought they were. Um, because I do have the, quote-unquote, the mantle of a, quote-unquote, art critic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... the th- the thing that I, and then I'll let you guys have the last word because I know we, uh, Stephen, I want to be respectful of your time. The, Thank you. Is, you know, to me, the the point of, of progressive politics has been or should be that everyone should be entitled to say and act and walk like they were a white heteronormative male in 1950. Mm. That's I want something point. better than That's that, but go ahead. Yes. Is that, <laughs> so, but no, but, but the, the point is that you, mm-hmm. you get to say, and I mean, you know, maybe without some of the constraints around, you know, kind of uh, weird masculinity in the fifties, but, mm-hmm. but you know, you get to say and think and do and fuck whatever you want. Mm. That's mm-hmm. the point. Mm. The point isn't to make everyone like the oppressed margins Mm -hmm. and to visit that aggression and sort of in circumscription and bind everyone up in those rules. No, that's not the point of that's not the, for me, that's not the point of progressive politics. That's Mm. the fucking opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Mm. And it seems to me that that's not what we're doing. Mm. Your Um, point is well taken though. Your point is well taken just because Mm. the, um, it's, (laughs) it's, <laughs> I don't want to go Whitney Houston, but it's not, it's not right, but it's okay. I want to say that I want to mm. live in a better world where we're actually able to converse with one another, because I think that the moment shouldn't be, the unique moment shouldn't be the moment where someone says something and it breaks open new ways of talking about something, even if it's arguments, there's still mm. some use in it. I love this mm-hmm. idea of someone showing mm. up and going, I don't believe this. This is not useful to me. And it's like, Okay. <laughs> Then there's this thing called the exit, and you can just go. I mean, but if it's something to contribute, it's useful because then we're having this conversation right. about responsible. What is responsible public discourse, mm-hmm. and how it harms us, or how it can harm, like maybe a future job for Seth. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Someone said something about somebody somewhere, and regardless if it's substantiated or not, it's um, it could be you know damaging, and I think that that's. Mm. terrible um but i want to wrap, wrap back around the lizzo right quick one last thing about the lizzo mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and i just want mm-hmm. to say that again that the the and, and you've touched both of you've touched on it in different ways the problem with not even the problem it's not lizzo it's this idea i just want to want to emphasize that why does it have to be for or against could there be something that's neutral mm. but also can there be something that's useful 
about mm. occupying a position where you're not called upon to have an opinion. And I think that social media makes you think mm. you need to have a social, you need to have an opinion about everything. And you don't even have a like, sure. even yeah. if you're on the way to an opinion, maybe you just want to sit, rest with it for a second. <laughs> there was a, I think I might've mentioned this character off of Cheers. Her name is Lilith. And she's and this character goes to Carla, mm. the waitress. It's permissible to have a thought without expressing it. And that mm. just tore me up because I thought mm. about it. It's like, how would it be where you're able to sit with your thoughts and think? And I think part of the environment mm. that you're talking about, Travis, is that everyone's got to say something, but also people want to be in style, in vogue. They want to be a part of the crowd. And maybe, um, yeah, yeah, I think that just re- understanding your position and how you relate to people is is everything. Because from there, you can understand, I have anxiety. This is how I relate to stuff. And you can check yourself and think differently about how you interact mm. with the social discourse. You know, and the implications of it. Yeah. So, blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, I I think part of why I really wanted to have this conversation is I realized that in that moment of chatting with Yana, that it felt like I wasn't allowed to not have an opinion. So it felt like I wanted this conversation mm. so I could develop one, and okay. now I can oh, like okay. go back to to talking about Lizzo with a lot more. Uh, Insight. And I can say, well, I really appreciate this part of her where she, mm-hmm. she, she actually does what she says she will do. Like she actually celebrates yeah. losing weight and then she celebrates gaining weight because she's like at the place with her body where um, it does what she wants it to do for her. And that's great. I think that that position is great. Still mm-hmm. don't like her music. Um, I got to. And, and I don't have to. Like, yeah, I'm like, ah. Eh. Yeah, yeah, that's good, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More millions, great for you. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, ka-ching, ka-ching. Okay. All right, I will. Ka-ching, yeah. ka-ching. Um, so that was that was that was our very roundabout conversation about Lizzo. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So it's a good. I, I like it. Stephen really pulled it out of the fire there at the end. So I'd like to come back to Lizzo. Um, <laughs> it's I good appreciate stuff, though, it that we brought up though. Um, That's not that we need to revisit. Sure. Yeah. Joe Rogan, absolutely. Yeah, yes. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I want so to say about just, that too, when when you brought up his yeah. name and Stephen and I both like went, ah, like there was this... We've, we've, you've, that's happened before. Like you brought up a name and you've said, well, you know, I think that this person, and we both go, ah! And you were intellectually honest by saying you did not know much about him, right? Right, and that right. the, narrow, the, the narrow confines that can be the left. Again, my thing was, I just feel like he's an opportunist. A leftist? I mean, I could, leftists can be opportunists, absolutely. But that's a larger mm-hmm. conversation. I want to have that sure. conversation. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like he's just more of a libertarian than anything else. But let's, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. I think that's about Yeah, I idea. feel like the one thing... You, the one thing with Joe Rogan I'm happy to talk about is we're slightly handicapped because, I mean, are you guys going to listen to a whole episode? Oh, like I mean, three and a half, they're like three and a half hours, which I think is great. That's cool. Some that like, people can do that. Long, yeah. <laughs> no, some of them, some of you is just that put right? them on. Okay. Some of them are shorter. And also I listened to him, not faithfully and not religiously, but like I would pick out people I wanted to hear that he was having conversations with. And I was like, mm, I'm a little bit more Mark Maron. <laughs> I want... You know, crabby old, mm. ah, you know, some, mm. Mark Maron is smart. He lets people talk. Not, Joe Rogan thinks he's smarter than he actually is. 
Mm. Mm. Preach. I think yeah, that he needs to do more work. He, he's a, he's a person yeah. that reads the very first yeah. entry on Wikipedia or on the internet. <laughs> what is such and such? And then he's an expert. And he is honest enough at times to say he doesn't know. <laughs> So I give him that. He corrects and his mistakes that. on air. I mean, yeah, that's not I mean, always, not always, I, but and yes, I, and he I has. actually, that I, I ha- actually appreciated that about about the COVID stuff. Like after Neil, um, what's his name, pulled this stuff from Spotify, and um, there was a, a bunch of like the pitchforks were coming out for him. He was like, he mm-hmm. actually took a step back and he said, "Yeah, I was kind of wrong about that. Like I didn't get that quite right." La la la. So I was like, "That's yeah. that was honest. I like that." Yeah, I mean, more honest than many in the news media. Agreed. You know, all around. I mean, it's, agreed. You, you would never see Tucker Carlson in the middle of the segment going like, "Oh, oh I no. guess I had that fact wrong." <laughs> and you would never, and you'd never hear look, Jim Acosta doing that either. Right. No, Absolutely. no, no. Yeah, no chance. Absolutely. Right, right. None of these guys. Um, Jack Tapper. He's not going to say, "Oh well, you know, I didn't really get that right. I didn't really ask the right questions." Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. All right. We, I, I know Steven's got to go. So, yeah. Apologies, uh, good always, people. Thanks for the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, take I'll care. Talk to you guys soon. Bye bye. Okay. Take care. Bye.